Good evening and welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 109 of your fortnight look at manga. We are recording on the 7th of August 2022 for release on the 13th on the 9th of August 2022. I was about to say what's the 39th of August? That doesn't make sense. Uh, my name is Elliot Page, temporarily discombobulated as always, and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Mr. Andy Hanley. How you doing Andy? Yeah, I'm as per usual. I'm permanently discombobulated, so uh, we're 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 all we're all good here. I, I feel like I've returned from another world for after seventeen years, but uh, you know that's that was my week. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those weird things where you go like, oh, this manga is real to, real life. Wait, no, it's not. This is a complete load of bunkum. Um, cool. So the, as mentioned, it's your fortnightly look at manga. We'll focus on during discussion. We have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com dot Screen Tone Club where you can sling money at us um, to, well, support the podcast, get bonus episodes, and also tell us what we should be reading in our monthly bonus episodes, our most recent episode. Um, so just to let you know the secret powers we have, um, you can't see me doing jiggly fingers into the microphone here, um, is that we did an episode on... Um, reborn as a vending machine now i wander the dungeon and then like four days after we released the episode an anime was announced for it so behold our power we have the ability to warp reality to make weird conceptual isekai light novels into reality although that was going to happen anyway because everything isekai gets hoovered up into the anime bag i feel these days yeah yeah i was gonna say like i i, I can't boast any kind of like insider knowledge when i sat there and bit, was like oh this would make a good anime like th- th- that was not me kind of like dropping some kind of inside baseball it, i was not expecting that either but yeah, it was, it was always one of those series where it's like more a case of like when rather than if, like most isekai things at this point, like anything that's mildly popular. Yeah, it's going to get an adaptation at some point until the, until the isekai juice runs out, uh, which is seemingly that, that, that bucket is still overflowing, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know, the way you say isekai juice just makes it sound like isekai juice. So that's another whole theme to come along. I mean, um, I mean, we can talk about the kaiju number eight anime adaptation if you like. But well, that's a, another story. Well, let's not, let's not get too tri-tracked. We're like a minute in and we're already getting ourselves hyped <laughs> for something else that's not the topic of this episode. Um, we also have a Discord if you want to get hyped with us about stuff. Um, you can find the link on our website or on our Twitter feed. Anyway, enough of that sort of preamble malarkey. Um, um, with one last thing I need to remember is the Patreon shoutouts, Mr. Rob Jessup, the Bluehead Cyborg, and Seegers Gert. They support us at the shoutouts tier, and so, well, they get this little shout-out. Hooray! Anyway, let's get right into the manga, shall we? Shall I take first stab, Andy, yeah. in this one? Yeah, let's, let's do this. Given that I've made a joke at this series' expense already, let's get it, <laughs> let's get it going. Yeah, yeah. So our first pick um, was Uncle from Another World, Volume 1, um, by... Uh, Hotonodo um, Shinderu, um, which I think is like a play on words or an epithet um, joke. Their previous work appears to be um, anthology work in a Nagatoro-san um, anthology comic. Um, it's published by Yen Press. It's not complete either here or in Japan. Um, we've got four volumes out here in English, um, with a fifth one pre-ordering right now. And there are eight volumes out in Japan. Um, there is an anime which is currently having its season airing at the moment, which never thought this would get an anime, but hey, more for me, I guess. And so Uncle from Another World is um, a case of very obvious nominative determinism. Um, your ep- The series opens with Takafumi, a, like... 17 18 indeterminate age like university student who is a bit sort of like nerdy glasses wearing like rather sort of dour dude um who comes to um hospital because his uncle has woken up his 34 year old uncle who has spent the last 17 years in a coma has suddenly woken up and appears to be well Fine is a very stretched term in this instance. Um, he starts speaking in a strange language. Um, after a bit of harassment, he starts making magic happen. And he is a lifelong Sega fan. And so, much like that film, The Death of Lenin, um, he's in for a rude awakening as everyone tries to keep him away from the fact that, yo, Sega ain't doing too hot no more. And, you know, he entered a coma 
you know, before things started to go really south for them. Um, I think it's set in 2016. So, you know, 17 years puts him at 1999, which is like late Saturn, like beginning murmurs of the Dreamcast, which he has no memory of. Um, Important console wars update, um, because you're going to get a lot of that in this um, volume. And so um, this uncle, who has a name, but we don't find out about it for a while, is quite maladjusted. But, you know, he went on 17 years of adventures in an alternate world, which he starts telling Takafumi about. And Takafumi initially kind of is trying to palm off uncle because his like healthcare and ongoing coma has been a source of stress for the family and put a number of fracture lines in. Um, I feel like this is both true to life, but also a really easy way to kind of sweep away a whole tier of questions and concerns about, hey, wait, he was in a coma for 17 fucking years. Like, shouldn't there be more people waiting for him? And it turns out now we can just push that away and label it under the under family strife. Anyway, and so he, of course, does the very sensible thing as an uncle is start a YouTube channel and basically become like a YouTuber, not a VTuber. It's not quite that cutting edge, but he does become a YouTuber um, doing magic, talking about Sega and generally being a fish out of water who is very wedded, of course, to the stuff that he loved and knew before he went under, basically. And that's kind of the primary source of comedy is the combination that um uncle had an absolutely shit time in another world like he was in an isekai world where everything was beautiful and lovely and he was an ugly ass dude who needs a haircut real bad and a fashion makeover and so everyone assumed he was some kind of subspecies of orc and beat the shit out of him but of course being a rather sort of dour person he of course managed to play himself the worst hand possible and be a bit shit at the whole isekai self-wish fulfillment thing by basically running away from anything and everything that could have been cool or interesting or wishful filly about it um like for example not understanding what a sundere is much to his own detriment and the detriment of the sundere in in particular and so it kind of goes through this goony comedy um of being rather close to the bone embarrassment comedy of this maladjusted uncle who would have been a fuck up even in real life um also being a complete fuck up coming back from you know magical land and also having all these powers that are kind of broken and ridiculous like memory erasure and ability to summon up memories into a little viewable window and stuff like that and generally just doesn't really seem to like he's an extremely sort of close-minded person in terms of seeing any kind of possibility out of any of his abilities um which you know i suppose is one survival strategy (laughs) um but yeah and it kind of goes through takafumi like both you know struggling through life and trying to keep himself from going mental around his crazy uncle and also trying to basically like get the rent paid and milk said uncle for all he's worth um and that's the kind of synopsis it's a real the tone is as you can tell from this synopsis kind of really bizarre at least i would say and like not quite all over the place but it's in it goes in a lot of places that are not usually where series would go that makes it a very strange read like the the level of cringe to use a unfortunately too recent term is extremely high like off the charts kind of like peep show levels of like run away from your tablet screaming in horror um kind of thing if you're not into that but that's me kind of rambling on a great deal. Um, I should probably seat the floor. So, Andy, uh, what did you think about this? It felt like it kind of... It had enough material for a good couple of chapters, and then it kind of falls flat. Like, it, it feels... Ironically, given... like it, it feels like it should have this sort of grand scope from a guy who spent, like, 17 years in another world. But it just keeps kind of landing back on the same few gags. Like, you know, the, the Sega joke is funny maybe once, um, but then you get it in every chapter, multiple times in every chapter. Um, his kind of, like, relationships in that other world have some moments and kind of, like, some some entertainment value, but it kind of, you know, just gets done to death. And I think that's the kind of the overarching problem. Like, even... Again, our typical thing talking about, like, do you want to read more of this? Like, absolutely not with this, which is, does not mean that I hated every second of it. It just feels like I got anything that I might have wanted out of it pretty early on in the first, like, chapter or two. And it didn't do anything to kind of really show me that there's anything more it can do beyond that. Like, even when it brings in another character and expands that scope, it kind of does it in a way that 
doesn't make that particularly interesting for me. It's like, this feels like a series that needs more characters, it needs more stuff to, you know, orbit around the uncle, but the one character it does bring in, it just immediately feels like, well, this is kind of like awkward and unhelpful to the series um and so yeah i kind of came away from it being like hey it made me laugh once or twice and i like the general concept as something that's you know outside again much like vending machine of like something that kind of twists the usual isekai tropes and turns some of it on its head but it just didn't do enough for me with any of that to be like oh yeah like that was that was fun like it had it had little smatterings of like yeah you're kind of you get it there but generally speaking it just kind of fell a bit flat for me yeah i definitely i definitely agree with you i mean i'm gonna do the the cardinal sin here of describing something visual in a podcast but you know there's that tiktok of a girl like horrified that someone keeps putting blocks in like one of those fit the shape in the correct size hole puzzles and they just could put everything in the in the square sized hole um i'm gonna put a link to this in the show notes for people who want to see it but basically that's what this series does is every single setup every premise goes in the exact same joke and the exact same pathway like when it when it introduces like the childhood friend who has a crush on takafumi the like student um like it's it's very obviously there to be like oh look she's a mirror to the sundere check it out oh that's clever isn't it it rhymes um but no it just makes it even more awkward because of course the uncle picks up on it and he's so you know brain dead when it comes to his own now like isekai life that it's like yes i get the joke but this isn't that funny and is just kind of cringeworthy, like crawling out of your skin bad. And also it's the same joke. It's just the same. Every single setup goes straight back into the same hole. And like cards on the table here, I've read volume two because I kind of got morbidly curious. And like, I know I'm going, I'm drifting out of scope here, but it does the exact same shit in volume two. And in fact, it kind of doubles down and keeps doing the exact same thing over and over and over again and also broadens its scope to consume more characters to make them hidebound to the exact same joke over and over again like you know there's that ice girl in who's like you know a quest npc basically mm. and she's like a an ice an ice girl an ice witch or whatever and he's supposed to go and get her some flowers to fr- to like you know for her heart and she will give him the gold slaying sword and all this but instead he sequence breaks the isekai world because of course it uses video game mechanics um despite the main character also uncle also complaining he doesn't play rpgs even though he lived for one for 17 years and so he just doesn't understand any of that language and the joke is that he accidentally like basically just both like blows her off and fucks up her life and her entire like destiny and that joke repeats like three times and each time it's like oh you're going to interest this character no oh it's the same joke fuck and that's it and it's it's that every single time like it's the same gag each time of like oh okay we're back to this setup and this branch of characters and it's the same fucking joke again and that's kind Mm. of it and the sega the sega stuff is interesting you know as someone who has like a fondness for sega and it's a funny gag but at the same time it also like culls its own level of power by basically saying oh yeah the uncle also just erases his own memory of things that are traumatic which could be a funny gag but is played like played for real creepy like oh god what happened sort of thing in a one joke which never really comes back up again and yeah it's it's a real weird thing where it's it has its funny moments but then it's the exact same thing over and over again mm. just a self-limiting and spiraling to a single point like it's like it's into some kind of weird singularity where every single event gets siphoned back down to the same gag and that's it yeah, and, and I think that the trouble with the, the, the Sega stuff is a really good example as well of this being one of those series where its idea of referential comedy is basically like, I'm going to shout out the name of a video game, or I'm going to like shout out the name of an anime, and isn't that funny? And it's like, no, that's not actually a joke, you're just saying the name of a thing that you know. 
Like, you know, I am I am a sucker for a good reference, and there was a brief split second where it's like, oh, we're going to start referencing Evangelion. I'm here for that. But that's literally all they do. They just say, hey, Evangelion was a thing. People liked that. Look at these. There were characters in Evangelion. One of them was a Sundera. <laughs> and it's like, that was... That was it. Like, you were just saying things that happened in Evangelion. And, like, you, it wasn't really worked with any kind of craft into something entertaining. And, you know, it's it's the sort of, it's the sort of you know, trap that a decent number of, of series kind of fall into, especially when they're sort of targeting a very specific audience. But this one felt particularly kind of a little bit lazy in places of just like, you know, I'm just going to write a list of, you know, Sega games and here you go that's that's a, a chapter's worth of jokes right and it's like maybe not maybe not yeah it's the the evangelion joke in particular is like it feels like a giant whiff because it's there it's there basically to show how like surface level uncle's understanding of it was because he didn't understand like an actual main character motivation but it doesn't really deliver on that and also it's not really that useful as a comedic device even because it's just like oh yeah the uncle is still a complete waste of space and so like it's really bizarre like you've got this like the whole point the whole central thrust is this like comedic setup of uncle went to an isekai and came back but the uh, the character himself and his personality is so garbage and useless that it it manages to siphon off all the comedy potential because he sucks. Like he's bad. Like, you know, there's, I mean, the, the getting beaten up by everyone thing isn't really that funny, but then it's on every single time and it's self-limiting where it can't ever break free of that in terms of telling stories of the isekai world. And Mm. it's like, oh, well, you know, you've, there is something to be said for a comedy out of the fact that he went to a wish fulfillment isekai world, but got nothing out of it and hated every second of it. And also, like, missed out on tons of stuff that was basically set up for him because he was the chosen one from another world. And it's like, yeah, it, I don't know. It just feels very strange where it has a killer setup and then spends all of its time chopping its legs off. Um, yeah. And, and also just, he's just a singularly unpleasant character overall, um, which is going to lead into something else I want to mention. But, like, he, it's, it's, it's really bizarre where it's just like, oh, this is like, like you made like the most aggravating 4chan lurker a uh, fucking main character with all the positive well, all the various attendant elements to that who never had any growth of any kind it's just so strange of like man this character like you have made a choice with this guy and i do not like it <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's interesting on a couple of levels there because i feel like there is probably put some different characters around the uncle and and, because it feels like you know one of the things that it falls flat with with its gags is it would probably be funnier if somebody actually pointed this stuff out to him and have him react and be like what oh well i'm an idiot then but nobody ever actually kind of you know points to the elephant in the room and you know takafumi is always just like oh okay and never actually says like you realize that girl was into you or whatever which you know at least there would have been there's kind of a back and forth there and there's a potential to react to that and to to explore that but it it doesn't it doesn't do that um and again you you can kind of look at you know something like a, a Konosuba where you have characters who are in some pretty fundamental ways unlikable but you can also still make them lovable in other ways whether it's because of their comedy pratfalls, whether they do things that redeem themselves at some point, you're like, ah, maybe they're not so bad, and you kind of forget all the terrible shit that they do. But like, they they never really even try that with this guy. It's just like, yeah, nothing he does is really kind of you know. I mean, you know, at best he he you know achieves some things in this other world, but even that, because of the way it's played there's not really anything to be had from it in terms of his personality or his character. And so even a lot of that kind of falls flat. I mean, the whole, the whole like slaying the, the dragon instead of like doing the side quest, that was probably the one genuine laugh I got out of that series Mm. because it's played pretty well. Like there's another NPC who's just like, Oh, uh, this is like broken my dialogue tree, but thanks. And like that, that's played quite well. But again, like you say, it just kind of keeps going back to those wells when it's done the joke. It's kind of made it land and you can't do that a second time because, you know, you, you've already been there. You've already trodden that path. 
Yeah, for example, yeah, especially with the the as I say, the Ice Girl is it just keeps sh- it shuts down any potential comedy in the future as well, which is why when she like returns in a few in a future flashback, well, that's a strange combination of terms. But she returns again, and he does the exact same shit of shutting her down again, and it's like this is even worse the second time in that like it's not like. It's not like the uncle is like accidentally bumbling into this stuff. He's just a shit person. <laughs> it's and also so avoidant. But as you say, like part of the problem is Takafumi, whose like response to anything and everything is to like have a panel looking horrified and clam up. And that then self limits the jokes. And it's like, oh, okay, like we're not gonna do anything with this. I guess the gag's over now. Like ah, yeah. And like there's another thing about this is like there's a general sort of unpleasantness wafting off of this series where like the art is really fascinating in a way because it's all very like hand drawn there's no like screen tone anywhere and everything just looks kind of i can't really explain it too well but it looks all everything looks gross and Mm. kind of ratty um if that's a phrase that lands where like you know even like it really makes everything claustrophobic and look dusty and ratty and tired and you know the uncle with his ratty hair and like when he's in the hospital and the room looks like like devoid of anything and also wide open but still like kind of gray and musty and nothing looks clean everything looks like it really badly needs a vacuum or like a dust like and you know the characters themselves look like they need a bath or just a toweling down and every single thing just looks really kind of like just unpleasant it's not like gross or like covered in blood and icor or whatever it's just like uh, sorry I, as you can tell i'm kind of struggling to explain this well but it's detailed and it looks really nice and like hey they they draw a really nice sega genesis in this sorry mega drive mega drive holy fuck um terrible um but at the same time it's like man everything look, just looks kind of gross because of the shading yeah. it, it it feels like an art style that should belong to a completely different genre of series like yeah like this, a horror if, series or something and, and honestly like having come into this i i came into this pretty kind of blind as to what it was really and i kind of expected like oh this is going to be you know some sort of dark isekai thing um and when i realized it's a comedy i was like well this does not seem like the art style for this. Like, maybe for parts of it, maybe for, like, the uncle character to have him stand out from everybody else. But again, you know, it's sort of, once again, it undercuts one of its own sort of jokes about, like, oh, you know, everybody thought he was an orc because he was so unattractive. But everything in this series is kind of unattractive. Like, that's the style of it. So he doesn't really stand out as being exceptional in any way because everything looks like that um and yeah like this just felt like it belonged to a different series and it's there are sort of moments where it kind of works but then even that's just a sort of serendipitous accident that it's just like the the joke or the content sort of feels like it matches the art style rather than vice versa yeah yeah it's it's bizarre because it's clearly of a high level of craftsmanship and like you know, a t- you know, effort and achievement in terms of drawing thing, drawing the actual panels, but just the atmosphere of it is so claustrophobic, oppressive, like gross, like all that, all that sort of stuff. Just you know, like the sing- like some of the some of the nicest things you see in this are the really well drawn Sega peripherals, um, and sometimes the especially the elf girl because she is drawn well and doesn't look like she's covered in a thin layer of dust or like ash. And so, yeah, it's, it just makes, yeah, this series, yeah, like I, I couldn't bring myself to hate the series. I mean, I b- bought volume two, but it's very, very strange. Like it's a very strange series. And as I say, like it, it really calls to like a embarrassment comedy peep show type thing, which is something I really can't deal with and don't really like. But like there's some, it's very irritating because there's something here that's interesting amongst all the yang we've talked. It's like, okay, there is an idea here, but just everything about this and what reading it makes me want to just like tear the pages or the virtual digital ebook pages out and run away. Um, yeah. especially because as I say, the main character just sucks. Like I hate him. I really don't like him. I just want, by the end of the volume, I just wanted to pin him down, shave his head and like, 
I, I just make him go outside for a touch gr- like he is the person for which touch grass exists as a term or a command uh maybe i'm being a bit cruel but it's just like fuck like ah yeah, yeah. and, and, and the, the, the weird thing for me is like conversely like i really enjoy something like peep show and i can i can really get something out of a series like that but i feel like this doesn't even do that well enough because it never it never really leans into the fact that like oh this is embarrassing again because nobody calls the calls anyone out on it yeah or, or anything like that to you know have any point of realization where he'd be embarrassed and be like oh my god i'm such an idiot like there's there's no friction between anybody everybody just says their thing and you know there's a, a reaction phase to it and then it moves on to the next thing yeah um so yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a really unusual series i it's one of those it's definitely a series where i i tried my best not to sit and like backseat write a better version of it in yeah. my head or a version that i would rather read because i know we do that quite a lot in this podcast yeah, I was like, yeah not guilty. for this one um but like you know i feel like yeah that there is the, the concept i'm really into and i want to, to read a good version of this even whether it's as, as a comedy or as something else like that the, the core idea here is a strong one but yeah it just fritters a lot of that away and you know you could have taken away the isekai part of it and just been like haha look at this sega fan and it would have basically been the same series yeah i i again i now that i've mentioned that we do it to all the time and we shouldn't and we probably shouldn't do it as much but guess what i'm gonna backseat psychoanalyze this series but it almost feels like it had too many ideas and slapped them all together it's like oh diehard sega fan went into an isekai and then it's like oh shit i spent half my life literally half my life in an isekai and now i'm back and i'm a fish out of water but i can still do some magic and there's also like a hey i'm an isekai youtuber like there's all these ideas and also like i'm an i am an adult living with my like nephew and fucking up his love life but then again like his love interest is doing that herself as well because she appears and appears to maybe be the the antidote to all this because she's a lot more like brisk and rude and brisk and not brisk i can't remember the word but she's a lot more brusque i think i don't know help um but yeah she's a lot more aggressive but then immediately does the exact same shit of just clamming up whenever like he says something utterly reprehensible or goes oh well you know isekai things and just uh. so yeah like the whole it feels like there's almost too many series in here and then you've also got the art which looks like a thriller or a horror story and so it's just like wow there's a lot here and uh together this does not work um but it kind of does like this sometimes it makes me laugh and sometimes it does have a funny gag and sometimes it's like the idea is good and then i just read it and want to just like pin the entire cast down shave their heads and say fuck off like maybe i'm being a bit aggressive i don't know but that's the kind of result of reading this is just getting annoyed at the cast (laughs) yeah yeah and and yeah for for me this was this was okay as a single volume read, but it was a very definite, like, you know, I, I've got as much as I'm going to get out of this at, at this point. And yeah, the fact you've read volume two and it doesn't really change things up, but like, this didn't even feel like a series that had a, a route to, to be something kind of grander or do something different. Like it felt like it painted itself into a corner pretty rapidly. And then, mm. you know, there's, there's not a lot else it can do. So yeah, like it was, it was fine. I mean, I didn't find myself being kind of like, devastated about how bad it was or be like oh my god i can't believe i had to read this but it was just it passed me by with relatively little kind of emotion in any direction apart from a laugh or two yeah yeah i must admit like the fact it's eight volumes and still ongoing is kind of a whoa okay sure i mean i guess but the main problem with that is the fact that like after like one and for me two volumes it's like we every time anything really happens in this series itself limits back down to the same gag in the same situation like you could have uncle go out and try and get a job like way and you know of course there's always the hanging threat of oh what if they bring over the sundere elf girl from the other world oh fuck like you know again sorry i'm backseat writing again aren't i fuck god damn it elliot (laughs) but yeah it's just one of these things where like having read a volume or two it's just like well i can't see it doing that because i can't see it doing anything outside of doing the same joke again yeah so, yeah and, you know. and if it does it would just it, it just feels like it'll circle back around to somehow make it the original set of jokes anyway so yeah i have to presume that like volume three onwards is like uncle finding out about the dreamcast and going <laughs> oh fuck like they made another console this should have won no it didn't 
So also that controller yeah. sucked. So whatever. Um, yeah, may, may, maybe by volume eight, he'll find out that like Sega make the Football Manager games, and there'll be whole volume about that. Who can say? I wonder if Football Manager is in Japan. I don't know. I presume it's got to be something like it, but probably. I yeah, I mean they they have football. In they Japan have J League. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, so yeah. I'm just imagining a bunch of people in Japan like furiously arguing about how Arsenal should play. Um, <laughs> yeah, huh? I, I mean that's 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 maybe. May, I mean, there's an isekai I would watch that. Like I've been transported to some like football league and i know nothing about football but somehow i'm the manager of a j-league team yeah Roy of the rovers isekai there we go yeah updated yeah. for 2022 jesus see all, all, all this backside backseat writing was worth it in the end we finally came up with a good idea for an isekai did we i mean yeah, sure i think we did okay i fair I, 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 I want to read it so please yeah. somebody please somebody i don't want to write it someone's gonna have to do that for me though yeah we need to get someone out there to write a web novel um <laughs> yeah, roy of the Ro- roy no rovers no die book and yeah I, that grammar is awful i know sorry don't kill me so yeah um alicia anything else to mention about uncle from another world no, I think that's it. Um, oh, quick question. Um, so we're not going to... Well, I'm not going to continue reading it. I don't think you are either. But are either of us going to check out the anime? Like, do we need to do a Russian roulette-style thing here? I, I, I did have a moment of at least curiosity of, like, seeing what the art style is like for that and what the pacing is like for that. Um, there, there is there is a little enduring curiosity, but I don't think I will, but who can who can say? Yeah, I looked at the Wikipedia page and the episode summaries are frighteningly well detailed and it looks like it's taking quite a straightforward path of adapting a few chapters in an episode and stringing it together. So maybe I will keep 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 tuned and see if I decide to get super bored and um watch Uncle from Another World instead of the thing we're about to talk about after a break. Um <laughs> so here ah, there we go. So here's a break. Hello everybody, Andy here. I just want to interrupt this episode briefly to remind you that Screen Tone Club is supported by our wonderful, beautiful listeners via Patreon. Supporting us on Patreon helps to defer the cost of buying the manga that we read for the show, it keeps the show ad-free, apart from this little bit right here, and it also gives us a much-needed boost to our frankly complicated feelings of self-worth. By supporting us on Patreon, you also get monthly bonus episodes. And additionally to that, if you support us on the $3 and above tier, you'll even get to vote on what series we cover on those bonus episodes. So, to find out more, please head on over to patreon.com slash club. That's patreon.com slash club. Sign up today and you get access to our full back catalogue, which now spans over two years of bonus episodes. Whether you're a subscriber or not, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we now return you to your regular programming. And we're back. And so um, after talking about otherworldly things and strange cohabitation patterns, um, I'm trying to make a segue. I'm just going to cut loose and just say, Andy, let's talk about Shadow's House. Tell me all about Shadow's House. Yeah, so yeah, Shadow's House Volume 1 is my pick for this episode. Um, Mostly kind of predicated off the fact that there's a decent chunk of people that got kind of excited about the anime adaptation of this. The second season is is currently airing Mm. and... It's one of those weird things where you see a lot of people saying, oh, this is great, but nobody tells you anything about it. Yep. And, there's th- uh, my, my first line of my notes is, there's a buzz around this, but I don't know why. Yeah, and so at some point I lent into this and just be like, I'm going to go into this cold because th- maybe this is the way to do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so Shadow's House published um, by Yen Press. Uh, first volume has just come out. There are 11 volumes in Japan, so it's uh, got plenty of, of content to burn through. Uh, the author is Samato. You say Samato, I say Samato. Um, don't know which one is correct. Oh, um, yeah. And... Um, yeah, so Shadow's House, I mean, we, we often kind of talk on this podcast about series that set themselves up really well and really quickly. And this, not really visually, just simply with its text, just kind of encapsulates its world pretty nicely in its first page. Um, mm. Basically introduces us to the idea that there is a an actual literal faceless nobility in this world. Like they have... They have facial features, sort of, but they are just kind of a, a, a silhouette, effectively. A shadow, if you will. Um, rather than an actual, you know, an actual, you know, recognisable face. Um, and so to that end, 
each um, member of this nobility has a living doll that works alongside them, who basically serves as their face and as their kind of, you know, as their presence um, in this world. Um, and so we're kind of introduced to this via uh, Emilico, who is kind of a new living doll who's sort of just been brought into this whole structure, and Kate, who is her shadow, who, you know, she basically serves. And there's a really interesting kind of duality to this series because there's part of it that is almost a kind of like... I mean, the, the character designs are really kind of cutesy. Like, Emilico in particular looks like a kind of, you know, a moe blob, if you'd like, from that kind of era of sort of K-On, etc., etc. Like, has that very sort of, like, cute features, etc., etc. Overly cute and, hair that would take you approximately six hours to get ready. Yeah, yet somehow she just wakes up and there it is. Um And so, yeah, like, there's... There's that side of it where, you know, kind of Emilico is sort of, you know, energetic, clumsy, you know, maybe not always quickest on the draw in terms of her thought processes. And so there's a whole kind of angle to this series that is just the kind of fun side of her doing what she does, kind of working effectively as a maid for Kate and, you know, Kate for her part. The, the whole thing with these shadows is that they release soot. Um, and it basically, that's kind of, that kind of depends on their emotional state. Like when they're just normally chill, that's fine. But the, the anger or more stress they get, the more kind of soot they produce. And so a big part of, of Emilico's job is basically to just clean that up. Um, and there are a few kind of twists and turns with that along the way. But so there's th- that whole angle, which is really those two characters interacting, learning a little bit about each other, uh, finding out what makes each other tick, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also this kind of, deeper sides to the series that makes it really fascinating yeah. like to start with the, the early chapters of this first volume are really kind of claustrophobic because you're kind of limited to a couple of rooms basically like kate has her room and then Emilico has her little kind of annex basically which is her little almost looks like a cell to be it, quite honest it's basically a cell in a basement like it's a hovel, yeah. you know yeah like and that's kind of you know where she exists and that's all we get to see and then at some point it's kind of like brought into the equation that like there's an outside to this, you know, this is not the entirety of this world. And yeah. then we get to see that outside and we get to see there are other shadows and dolls. And there's a whole process here. Um, we get a little bit about Emilico and kind of, you know, what she is in terms of the fact that she is apparently cr- has been created for this role. Um, and as you get to the end of this volume, you kind of get to see like what this fully fledged shadow and doll relationship should be like which is kind of what you would expect sort of going into like that first page explanation yeah but there's still something there's this kind of slightly dark and chilling undertone to a lot of what this series does and it just i found this first volume super fascinating because i feel like it works really well on both of those levels like its main characters are likable and you kind of want to see their relationship develop but then it's really, if, if, I feel like every time I was maybe going to start waning on this series and be like, I need something more from this, the series was straight away like, yeah, I got something more for you. I'm going to open a door here or a window quite literally and yeah. be like, here you go. Here's a bit more of this world. Here's another layer. Here's another little bit of information that will be kind of juicy gossip for you effectively. And this first volume is really effective at just like taking you through that and slowly opening things up a little bit by a little bit. To the point where I was just totally on on the hook by the end of the first volume. Like I I want to see the fullness of this world. I want to learn as much about it as I can, and I want to see how these two main characters kind of get on as seemingly both kind of misfits in this world. Like you know, especially when we see them kind of literally stumbling outside. Mm. There's a suggestion that they're both kind of ill suited to the world in which they've both been born in their own unique ways, and so there's. I mean, in comparison to the other title we've been talking about here that ran out of road in two chapters, this feels like it has a mass of possibilities and I'm very excited to see it explore more of them, quite frankly. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I feel like um, going in cold is the smartest thing to do. And also, as a warning to listeners, do not, for the love of God, open the Wikipedia page for this because it just has, like, later spoilers, like, quite early on and dropped in. So if you are going in cold, do not look at the wiki because it will start, 
like revealing layers of stuff that is beyond even this first volume and it kind of yeah it's a shame um so that's a warning from me the idiot who looked at wikipedia for the podcast notes um but yeah i as you say like this there's a lot of things i want to touch on that you mentioned but yeah like as you said at the start like it does a really good job of setting itself up in like page one or even the cover of the first volume it's a really really well-drawn cover obviously the art style and the art like achievement and craftsmanship is really high but also it's just like oh these two characters are pointing at each other and one of them is a silhouette but they have ribbons and better dress and then the other one is fully fleshed out but has no will question mark and it's a really fascinating like first page of like this first this first page this first color image is a mystery have fun and you know as you say it slowly unveils what kate's deal is and how she sees the world and how she sees emilico and how emilico sees her and there's always always this sort of discordant note throughout nearly everything that is said or revealed where it's like like every single thing said has like a weird tension to it of like you know emilico being basically in thrall to this system she's been born created into like the system of there being some dolls who have no faces and wear freaky like like funeral veils and they do the sort of faceless thankless work but then also the living dolls who have faces are called on to clean the grand hallway and that's like a really fascinating sort of opening where even in his first volume you have multiple tiers of outside like you have kate's room and then you have outside kate's room and there's a milico and the weird like wind chamber thing which is another like oh this could go real south real fast sort of moment um it's like the fucking crystal maze like final challenge in the dome thing um just because i remember crystal maze a lot and then it's got outside that which is like other parts of the mansion and then you've got outside the mansion in the gardens and then clearly there is another layer of outside somewhere and so it's just this constant onioning of the world it it remind why you were talking about it it actually struck me that it reminds me vaguely of a much more keeping its powder dry version of promised neverland without jumping straight into the like you know spoilers for volume one of promised neverland it doesn't jump into the like you're gonna get it sort of thing straight away it doesn't lay that stake out immediately like we are still very much in a case of where even the character who would have privileged information kate is herself still puzzling this out and figuring out what is going on here and yeah there is this latent threat to everything like going on like like not like out and out we will both die it's just like well this world is has particular requirements of us and this is the structure in which we are living yeah in between like please clean this teacup yeah and 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 that that's kind of yeah the the fascinating thing that you know we're introduced to this nobility but at no point have we seen what they actually do yeah like do they just go to dances and tea parties or are they doing something more nefarious and yeah there's that sort of that discord that unsettling feeling that there's something that is a little bit off here and it's really good at playing that like even even Promised Neverland kind of shows a bit more of its hand in those early chapters where you get a very uh, uh, overarching feeling of like, oh, there's, there's bad stuff that's going on here. Like there's, there's going to be, there's going to be the other shoe dropping any minute now. And, And I mean, that series quite rightly, you know, it wants to quickly get to that. Whereas this, because I think, you know, you get like the interactions between Emilico and Kate and even like Emilico and some of the other like, you know, dolls that she meets early on. It's all really nice and friendly and everyone's just like, you know, everyone's getting on. But even then there's always just, it manages to throw out these little kind of mentions, these little single words. Like even later on, there's a bit, there's just like, I, I forget the exact like proper noun or whatever they're using, but there's some kind of grandfather involved. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, it's just like the most malicious, just like don't want to upset this system kind of thing. And it's like, I I want to know more about all of this right now. Yeah. But also, I don't want to know too much about of it right now. So please just like keep it going as you have been. Yeah, I must admit personally that up until like chapter 11, which is like kind of the big sort of inflection point of Kate and Emilico running into another shadow and their doll, who Emilico already knows from a previous chapter. It, that was when it's like 
oh, this is great. Like, this is giving me really interesting stuff, but not too much. And it isn't just laying it all out on the line. Because until then, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, this is kind of cutesy. And, you know, I get it, something spooky. And, but then when I'm like, oh, and here is Kate not having a fun time and Kate going outside of her own comfort zone to try and help Emilico, it's like, okay, like, this is a really, I, I already like these characters, but now this is a really interesting dynamic. Like, there is clearly, the clearly the characters in there are ill at ease and there is something there are a lot of other things in play here that are making it interesting without the series having to like bodily grab your face as the reader turn you towards something and say look at that isn't it interesting like it doesn't show you like a shipping manifest for children getting eaten it's just like okay we're going to mention grandfather what does that mean is that good is that bad is grandfather actually just a giant trash compactor that chews up people who knows and you know it also does a very smart job about like not getting too distracted by its own setup like it's a part where emilico like because the shadows like are not just a blob like they have a profile it's just that they are like a giant you know blob of beta beta like you know the black ink um which i'm sure the author's assistants absolutely adore them for um <laughs> but yeah it, it's really fascinating where like when she turns sideways you can see kate's profile and her nose and of course like emilico like puts a bit of foundation on her and it's like oh whoa like you can see the outline of her features and it's like no the the soot takes it over and claims it and it's like that's a really that was i think a really smart way of just going we're not going to overly do this or explain it over to death but here is like one of the things about the shadows that is that has that transpires here so you yeah. don't you don't have to worry about it yeah, and, well, and, and that's also like, again, I'm not even sure whether that's foreshadowing anything or not, because Kate kind of freaks out at that point as well. Like, yeah. well, don't do that. And it's like, is there something to that? Or is that just like her like natural reaction? Like, well, you know, <laughs> don't, don't touch me. This isn't how this deal works. And there's a lot of little moments like that where, you know, you, you can't really, and there are numerous of those throughout these chapters where, yeah, the, you know, the face a, imprint a very, on the towel. Yeah, and they're, they're, yeah, and there are there are very clear kind of you know a bunch of delineations of like you can't do this, you shouldn't do this without any real explanation why, and it's like some of them are maybe completely irrelevant to ev- anything, and others are maybe of some import, and it kind of you know it never overegs any of that stuff, but it makes you want to focus and concentrate on what what is being said and what is being done because you feel like there's always breadcrumbs on this trail that you know you kind of you you want to sort of dig into yeah the other half of it and this is going to be a real sort of like cake and eat it type thing is the fact that like you also don't want to hyper focus too much or try and theorize too much because not only are you going to you know make it a bit more of an intense read for yourself but it's quite pleasant to read just like you know emilico has to clean things for kate and at the end there's a chapter from kate's pov which is quite pleasant where you know it's you know she lives alone in this weird room and has like a face her face a living doll and it's like oh that's a bit fucked up i suppose maybe like i guess they're used to it but are they and you know it really it you know letting yourself like relax and enjoy it lets those breadcrumbs come to you and that's the enjoyable part of it um is that you know what reading it you know, it, it gets a lot out of it from thinking about it, but also just from letting it come to you, um, I feel. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. Like, you know, I I already did this once before on the Believe Any Machine late night novel, but there is a huge amount of questions for me about like, so like... Uh, it's like does the shadow come first and they make a doll for them does the doll come first are the dolls actually just kidnapped children they're not actually created at all like what is the order of operations here and also does it really matter like does there need to be an answer to this or is it going to be explained elsewhere yes yeah, and also frankly like you know it um, you talked about claustrophobia from uncle um earlier and there's also like a very gilded cage aspect to this as well for kate where it's like She's in this really, really knick-knack heavy room, which is like, you know, a a poor person's thought of what an an Elizabethan expensive rich house would be, where it's all this like really textured and pleasant and overly filigreed stuff that is going to be a complete bitch to clean because soot will get into every crevice of every part of the curtains and the four poster bed and those like little clocks your nan has on the mantelpiece and so all of it is like you know very beautifully well drawn by the artist but also 
you look at it and go, God damn, this place is a nightmare and exhausting. <laughs> Maybe it's just me preferring something a bit more minimalist, but hey. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I, I feel like there's something very deliberate there as well. Because oh, for sure. you kind of, you, you, you have Kate that has this sort of opulent room, but is kind of like dissatisfied with a lot of it. And then you have Emilico who is happy with her just to have like a bit of cloth hanging in her room of nothing. And, you know, she's super excited that she gets to have this bit of fabric from some discarded clothing that Kate has that, you know, she likes the pattern of. And, you know, and again, it's like there's there's a... Uh, and again, when you kind of... All these little interesting things, like, you know, there's a point where, where Kate lets Emilico have her bread roll and she's just, like, blown away because, like, this bread roll tastes so much better than the bread rolls that I get, which is literally seemingly all they're fed, which, you know, again, all these little things that just kind of ask questions of this system and you know who it serves and how etc etc and it's all these little things that they're they're nice little kind of slice of life in this sort of particularly weird life sort of vignettes that are just you can take them as just like nice character pieces and enjoy them as such like you know Emilico enjoying a good bread roll is like super cute and wholesome yeah but then there's also there's always like the, the the mirror like the shadow of that which is just like hang on a minute <laughs> like surely there should be there's something going on here as well and i think that's kind of the the amazing thing that the series does is yeah. it's basically two different stories almost running in parallel like you've got the cutesy slice of life thing with these two characters that you kind of like and want to see get along but then there's this whole kind of mechanism underneath and behind them and there's all this wiring under the board that you occasionally get a little glimpse of but you kind of want to see more of yeah it's uh, yeah entirely agree with you it's it's real funny where you've got like the surface and the very obvious thing about like oh oishi pan and then you've also got the underlying thing of like wait where does this come from why does like emiliko get the ratty one that looks like rye bread um like has this world discovered how to make Huel into like a weird yeast-based product? <laughs> um, yuck. Um, and, you know, where does all that come from? You know, it, oh, it's delivered by a car in these tunnels that, what? What the fuck is, you know, and, you know, it doesn't it doesn't constantly crash into itself trying to keep those separate. It just does it naturally. Um, and without having the characters constantly just turn to the camera and go, oh, isn't that strange? It's like, no, you don't need to do that. Like, it would make that really cheap if you did. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. really nice how it handles all of it and keeps, you know, keeps all of its soot dry. Huh? So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Emilico is a great foil for that because she asks questions but also takes a bunch of things at face value. So she's not always kind of questioning every single little thing, but she's there as a good kind of cipher for the audience to ask like the big picture questions about stuff. Um, and yeah, like she, she works really well you know across the board um and and also to to go back to what you said earlier like the the artwork on this series is is beautiful like it's the character designs are really super striking kind of on both sides of the fence like you say i mean the, the shadows thing could have been really boring to look at as just like amorphous blob people but like you say because it's straight away it's like yeah you can see their faces in profile even the whole soot idea like it plays with that in a way to be like hey look we can show you know temp temperament we can we can show emotion through this mechanism and we can do interesting things with that instead yeah um and you know again the the surroundings the backgrounds you know, Kate versus um, Emilico's environ, all all of that stuff. You know, it it all adds up to be compelling, but also just really enjoyable to look at. And you know, all of those kind of start of chapter sort of spreads, all of those images again, almost like low hanging fruit to like pick from the idea that it's got of these you know shadows versus you know dolls with faces there's a lot of obvious kind of setups you can have to juxtapose those two, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it does it and they all look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the book, there is that, um, there's the set of like, you know, eye catch images with like, like the very dry terms of engagement of what the characters are sort of thing. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. But yeah, it, it keeps a lot of things floating in the air just right where it never, it never boils itself down harshly. Um, I mean, you could very easily just go like, oh, which one of us is the prisoner, the doll or the shadow? Like, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Go back in, go back in into psych 101 already. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. I will say the one thing I say about the one thing I think about it in particular, and this is, 
Like, you know, setting aside a lot of very good reasoning I'm sure exists, but I'm kind of amazed that um, this wasn't rushed out or rushed to publish earlier, um, given that season one already exists. And there's quite a lot of volumes of it. And the next volume isn't coming out till November, um, which, you know, isn't like a slouch. Like that's a three month publishing cycle. But due to the, I don't know, maybe just because I'm hanging around people who are really excited about this series. And I can kind of see why that there's a buzz around this. And it's like, well, season two's airing. Maybe you want to like capitalize on that if you could. Maybe they, maybe Pumpkin Empress want to, but you know, global shipping is currently fucked. Global publishing is currently fucked. You know, everything, everything is kind of like messed up. So I can see why it's one of those things where you think like, man, like I'm, it would be great if this came out faster. So, I mean, yeah, part of that is just I, the fact that I want to read volume two now and I can't. So, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. And I, I think there's also like, we, we've been spoiled by quite a lot of other series that have had super fast release. Oh, for sure. And like, I guess only so many titles can get that. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe Empress have, have kind of seen numbers that we haven't. And it's like, oh yeah, this is maybe not, you know, priority number one. But yeah, you, you, you would have thought that maybe given it has an anime adaptation that they would have wanted to move a bit faster and i would not be at all surprised if it was just like yeah you know translation backlogs or paper shortages or one of the the many other wonderful things we all have to deal with have kind of you know put this a little bit on the skids compared to like an optimal release strategy uh because yeah like i'm sat here now being like part of me kind of wants to to just stick to reading the manga but I could just watch the anime and find out more of this stuff and it sounds like the the anime is pretty good so I could just watch that yeah yeah I must admit I think I first noticed the series and thought like this is being a big deal was when they like announced the Nendoroid for it and I'm like it's just a fucking black void Nendoroid what the hell are you people doing (laughs) um but yeah and actually one thing about the shadows it does really well at least in the characters we've seen so far is it does an excellent job of framing them like most of them have opulent hair that again would take you approximately six hours to get ready but it works really well in framing them both like their face and not face their cat their clothes so that works really well for its benefit but yeah i i have to imagine that like you know the next two volumes are scheduled for for being three months apart so i presume that at some point a decision had to be made about where to slot this in i mean even just finding space on a printer to get books made is hairy at the moment really so you know i I, i'm not like sitting here going oh backseat yen press but you know it's just one of these things about like damn i bet i bet this would do really well if it came out faster um and that would serve me well as well because i want to read volume two so yeah yeah yeah. for for sure i I think this will definitely be a returning champion at some point because yeah i think we're both uh we're both very much on the hook for this one yeah there's there's a lot here that's interesting both in terms of like potty plot plot you know like the wikipedia entry do not read it um sort of stuff but also just how does it get there how do the characters work like the characters we've all seen so far the few of them are interesting and it's like okay like I'm, I am up for each part of this ride, you know, rather yeah. than it being like, I just want to see what happens. I don't care about this slice of life stuff or the other way around. It's like, no, I want to see everything. Like everything this series is selling, I am totally down for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in exactly the same boat. Like, you know, it, it, it would, it would work perfectly well if this series, like had the duality that it does. And for me to be like, I'm into this bit, this bit you know, is fine i guess but like yeah i'm kind of i'm compelled by sort of both sides of the equation um and the fact that it it all comes together in the way it does is is pretty exciting so yeah definitely definitely want to see more of it yeah for sure um and is there anything else to mention about um shadow's house no i think uh, i think that is it apart from please volume two as quickly as possible (laughs) well yeah we'll see um well, to be fair, we read enough manga and light novels that time will fly before we know it. <laughs> Jesus. So on that note, what are we talking about next time? So I have picked something a little more chill. Um, I have picked volume one of Knights with a Cat. Um, also had an anime adaptation announced like in the past week. Um, so, yeah. And Andy, how about you? Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that Knights with a Cat are chill because from experience, that usually means being woken up at 3 a.m. because Cat is hungry, but maybe, maybe that's a volume two thing. We shall see. <laughs> um, so yeah, my, my pick for the next uh, episode is one I've kind of had kicking about again off the back of the anime adaptation that people seem to like. And that is that the great Jahi will not be defeated. Volume one. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading this and talking about it because. 
I feel like somehow, like the author of this, who is also the author of um, "Breasts Are My Favorite Thing in the World," which we talked about previously, and they also wrote, um, "Oh, what's that ongoing anime right now?" Um, oh, my, my, recently, my mage is mysterious. I think like it's it's all the same author, and it's you can kind of tell from the art and the cadence, and it's like okay, like let's read about a demon lord. Fuck it, let's have fun. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, so moving into close down, um, you can find our website at screentone.club. Um, if you like the podcast, please consider telling a friend about it, tweet about it, you know, Facebook it, question mark, stick it on Reddit. I don't know. What do you kids do? Um, but word of mouth is still the best way for podcasts to spread and to gather more people to listen um, and partake. Um, ratings on podcast services as always are greatly appreciated thank you ever so much um you can find our twitter at screen tone club or one word uh, you can also email us um show at screen dot club uh my name is elliot page you can find me at elliot page on twitter um i am currently working on an old dead or kind of resurrecting project of manga search so look forward to more about that as i relearn and reread my old scripts of how to run python and past elliot can go and do one frankly and andy how about you uh, yeah you can find me on twitter not doing any of that kind of stuff um at hannah's 1979 not even a little bit of python you know not not, not even a little bit I, I i pet a python at a zoo once that's that's about as close to python as i've gotten oh okay fair enough that sounds kind of cute <laughs> i've i've cuddled a gecko how's that <laughs> it shed on me which was i don't know i feel privileged somehow anyway that's enough of that i i should close this podcast off so yeah thank you so much for listening everyone and uh good night Bye, everyone.